Hello, welcome to the Professional Insights Podcast. Uh, thank you very much for listening in Season 3. Um, thank you to our sponsors, Brand Boulevard. Thanks, Sinkletch. And, and if anyone is uh, watching us for the first time from our advertising or blitz or whatever, um, thanks. Um, my name is Brandon Curry. I'm Jeff Collins. I'm Josh Bond. And Trevor Lindy. So when we're recording this episode, uh, it is October 14th, just for those to, for a frame of reference. And uh, now this was done a while ago, um, back in March of 2020. It was approved and got royal assent, but it's called the Tressa legislation in the province of Ontario, which gives realtors the ability to incorporate. Which, if you ask me, that's long, long, long overdue, like long overdue. So uh, hats off to Aurea. That's the advocacy body for the realtors. Um, definitely, I know that was a long battle and a 10-year battle from what I remember when I hopped on that call. Um, so congratulations. Um, and that just became legal October 1st, 2020 with all the framework and um, the do's and don'ts surrounding it. Um, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, for example, lawyers and doctors and, and, and financial advisors and even mortgage brokers, mortgage <laughs> brokers and dental hygienists are all allowed to have professional corporations. Um, it's just every legislation is completely different and mutually exclusive to the next. It's just not like opening up a corporation, uh, for example, um, for a lawyer on, you know, and Josh, you can chime in here, but sure. a lawyer can be an equity control and shareholder of their professional corporation. Uh, doctors are the same and then, but they can't have, they're not allowed to have a hold co off of theirs. So there's a bunch of different rules and regs that um, surround each professional corporation. And we yeah. just thought. Just to a point there, uh, Brandon. Yeah those rules and regulations are going to be governed by their self-regulating organization, right? Correct. So SRO, the law, law society of upper Canada, presumably RICO, they're going to set out the parameters and just as quote you uh, or, or to back up on one of your quotes, I believe doctors can have their wives on yes, the corporations. They can. Um, but I think there's certain parameters. I'm not sure exactly what, what it is but, in terms of a different non-voting share or less than 50%. I'd have to double check it. But, and they cannot, but they cannot have a hold co hold their shares. That's one of the things fair. Can't do. Um, so Jeff, yeah. um, uh, this is pretty big news for you. I know, uh, we've been chatting about this quite a bit. Um, uh, your thoughts. I mean, you, you seem to be, well, my, my, my thoughts are you guys have told me since I've, I've kind of started networking with you that you, you hope this will happen. And we've been talking about for many, many years. It actually was a surprise when it happened October 1st because we had been talking to people in the industry and we thought it'd still be a little bit of a, a ways away. Um, to be honest, I'd love for you, because I know you're super educated on this and you watched the webinar that was just released. Why don't you tell all of us realtors the big advantage it is to be getting a prec? I'm so pumped about it because there's tax strategies for sure, but... Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, so it is called a, a, a prec, not to be confused with the adjective I usually call Jeff on this show, which is a prick. 
Um, a prac is a professional. Different vowel. Yeah, different vowel. Uh, <laughs> a professional real estate corporation. Um, and it's governed by the TRESA legislation uh, in the province of Ontario. Um, and so to be, to be, pracs, pracs are, are legal now in Ontario, right? It's not Canada-wide Ontario nope. we're talking about, right? No, so just like um, uh, our, our SRO, uh, our self-regulating uh, organization, uh, Trevor is, is the same. Uh, Rico's only Ontario, Rico right? Rico is Ontario. Yeah, it's all provincial. It's all provincial regulated. So BC, uh, a realtor can incorporate, now Ontario a realtor can incorporate. So, Just as um, a back, quick backstory to that, it all goes to the division of powers in our constitution in what's in 91 and 92. So one, the provincial government has jurisdiction. The other one's the federal. Federal banks, uh, you know, things like that. But anyways. Right. Like credit unions are provincially regulated. Banks are federally regulated. Correct. So um, now what the big advantage, Jeff, to be, to be honest with you, is, is, um, is limited liability um, from, from, from that perspective. For protection. For protection, right? You do have the corporate veil in some cases that it would protect you. Um, that, that does exist with corporations. But then the other one is the big one for ta financial planning and tax planning is um, a tax deferral, essentially, right? Like, or, or lowering your tax burden. Um, so in the province of Ontario, the federal, the federal uh, tax rate on corporations up to $500,000 of net profit is, um, uh, uh, is 9%. And then province of Ontario tax on an additional three and a half which that has just been reduced. So I think I believe it went down to uh, 12. So that corporation up till 500,000 is taxed at 12%. To put that into perspective, if a realtor were to make $500,000, um, their marginal tax rate, um, not their average tax rate, their marginal tax rate, they'd be taxed on 53% of anything over two hundred thousand dollars of revenue and above, it's about two, two, almost two thirty, isn't it? Uh, uh, two hundred twenty-five. Yeah, two twenty-five yeah. and change. Yeah, but like, just we we just easily use whole numbers just for easy math sake. Point of reference. Yeah, everything's indexed to CPI and inflation. So, this if if you're looking at a high volume now, to be perfectly honest, we're looking at anywhere from five to maybe seven thousand realtors in the province of Ontario that would make over $200,000 a year based on Rico and Oria's uh, last stats. So um, that obviously could have changed, especially in this year in the province of Ontario with real estate, and especially in Toronto being up 11%. Um, but uh, it, yeah, it, it's going to be significant. I mean, think about if we just use 50%, I know it's 53 and change, but let's just use 50%. That three hundred thousand, right? It, it, you'd be owing one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in tax right off the hopper. It'd be a bit more than that, but we're using easy math. You throw that into a corporation, pay yourself one hundred thousand bucks, maybe two hundred grand, whatever you want. But let's say you keep the three hundred thousand in the corporation. You go from paying one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in tax to, well, that would be. 
$36,000. If it's 12% of, yeah, $36,000 in, uh, in, in tax. So I know there's a lot of people that are be listening, you know, saying, oh, this is garbage or whatever the case may be. No, well, no, because what this does is it keeps, it keeps the expenses all on the up and up. I mean, you're looking for every expense that you can think of to try to write off, to lower down your income. You're, you know, you're looking at different things. Uh, this allows you to put your, uh, let's say your spouse on, uh, as a T as T four income, uh, as an employee of the professional real estate corporation, this allows, uh, for you to transfer, uh, un money that you don't need into a holding company. Uh, allows you to purchase real estate. It allows you to purchase life insurance policies and, and, and make it a state and life insurance, uh, transition for, for your family. Um, it's massive. It's, it's it, absolutely massive. It's big. I've had a professional corporation since 2008. So essentially, you know, to our listeners, for a lot of professionals, what we use our professional corporations for is retirement savings. Right. So say, say I make 150,000 in two, 2020 and the bond family only really needs 50,000 of Josh's earnings to support itself. So I've got a hundred thousand dollars where I can leave it in the corporation and only pay my 12 or 13% corporate taxes on it for this year. Now that, that it's not to say that that's the only measure of taxes that you're ever going to pay on that money because then you may be taxed on it or you will be taxed on it in the future, depending on how much you pull out. But the idea is, is that at that point in time, you're going to trickle it out, not at two or 300,000 a year, but maybe 50, 60,000 a year so that your incidence of taxes is significantly lower. From what, from what I understand, I can draw out about $40,000 from my corporation every year without paying a dollar more in taxes because I've already prepaid the corporate taxes on that. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, it just, it, so you're it, like setting up an R uh, your own kind of RSP, right? So that so you, trickle it put, out. well, we got to put that into context too. Whenever you get paid uh, commissions, it's on a T4A, not a T4. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, you do have to pay both sides of CPP on that. So in 2023, that'll be 11.59%. Then on top of that, you, because you're self-employed, have the ability to opt out of EI. Most but do you, people, can't you opt out of CPP as well? No, not if you T4 your self-income, no. If you T4. If you, if you, you, if you can employment dividend. income. Employment yeah, income counts. Dividend income does not count. So T4A is employment income, and you have to up till I believe this year in 2020, it's $136,000 of employment income. And so the maximum is going to be around uh, $28,000 a year. You can put into RRSPs. Um, the rest it's sorry, you, you have no, you have no other re, uh, recourse. Um, now also that's coming out as the personal pension plan, which you can hold off of which you, which you can branch off of a holding company or a professional real estate company or a professional corporation, um, which we're going to be doing a webinar, by the way, boys, on November the 2nd for people that want to join in. Uh, Josh, I strongly suggest that you attend that webinar. Um, and same with you, Jeff. 
because it, it gives you the ability to create your own defined benefit, defined contribution or de deferred profit sharing plan pension off of your corp. And that is something you can legally retire on uh, going forward. Um, and it's it, it revolutionary. It's revolutionary. So these are the types of things that are now going to be available to realtors and, you know, for how hard they work. And it is a very cyclical business, way more cyclical than a lot of others. Um, and, you know, when the economy is good and when the, uh, uh, the, the interest rates are low and the weather's good, you're selling a lot of houses, you're hitting the ground running, but there are, uh, you know, peaks and valleys in this, uh, in this industry. And it just allows you also to flatten out your income and make it more steady and predictable because you worked your butt off for one year. You keep the hundred K in, like, let's say that uh, Bondo was saying, you only need 50,000 to survive. And then you allow yourself to be T Ford $50,000 every two weeks out of your, out of your, uh, uh, out of your professional real estate corporation. So it, it, it's pretty significant. Um, from, especially from a, and a legacy perspective too. You know, we never know when our time has come. You know, we don't know how long we've got on this great green earth. And this allows you to leave money, um, hard earned money to the next generation or to your spouse without any, with really at any worry. So why did it take so long to be able to do this? Can you let me on that? Lobbying. It, it all, it, it all came down to lobbying. So you, every um, organization had to do it. Every organization had to do it. And really, I guess for the longest time in the nineties or even previous to that, there wasn't a huge concern. There wasn't a lot of realtors probably making over 150,000. Like if you think about it, we're, we're conservatively predicting out of the 70 or 89,000 realtors in the province of Ontario, only about 5,000 of them would make over 200 grand in gross commissions. That's based on, like I said, Rico and Aurea. Um, uh, really the top 5%. We're yeah. So when you think about that, that's really, really small. So back in the nineties, probably it was even smaller than that. And so there wasn't really a huge demand for it, but now with real estate going through the roof, you've got a lot of, it's a, you know, think of, think of the, think of the Niagara region four years ago, five years ago, the average real estate in Niagara was what, 238, two, four, 5, maybe. Yeah, $250,000, the average home price. It's now over $400,000 is the average home price. That's just it on five real quick too. Right? So you're looking at a 5%, like put that at 5%. Now that, that, that realtor who would only maybe do 10 houses a year, we would be making at 5% of 200,000. You're looking at what? Uh, 10 grand. So half of that five, you're making 50 to $60,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Well, all of a sudden, just doing the same volume, your prices have doubled and you're now making 120 to $130,000 a year, just doing the same volume, not even ramping up, not even taking into an account you know, well, it's getting more competitive too. So some commission rates are starting to be uh, sliding a little bit too. Sure. Really, eh? Sure. Oh yeah. In this not, hot not, market. 
well, the, the the top agents are still getting paid, but there's 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 ones that are are struggling out there too, right? So they'll they'll be more competitive there with the rates to appeal and all that. It's it's you know that's another one we'll do obviously later on discount brokerage and all that. But like a top agent, you know, if you know what they're doing, can can get you so you're not even paying commissions going over lists, right? So it's different. Market funny, right? So yeah. It's, it's Jeff to answer. I know that was a very long winded answer, but um, it, it's very significant for your industry. So you wouldn't say every realtor should get a practice. No, no. If you're grossing, if your gross uh, commissions are in between the 120 to $150,000 a year, you should seriously be considering talking to your chartered accountant and, or, and your financial planner and really starting to kick tires and figure out if it's worth it or not. It's at that threshold because that's when you're at the 43 to 47% uh, marginal tax rate. And that's where you're starting to lose a significant amount of your income. So a brand new realtor getting into it should be jumping off and getting a frack right off of that. Um, that's not necessarily true. I mean, if they know depends on their they, volume, I guess, right? Yeah, like well, it depends joining, on what they want to grow to, right? Or yeah, right. Genuinely. Like if they're if they're joining, let's say Jeff, let's say you you decide to one day uh, open up a partnership, mm. and now each each individual realtor needs to have their own prec. You can't have a partnership in a prec. Yeah. But let's just say you create a sub brokerage underneath uh, Royal Page. And then underneath your Royal Page sub brokerage, you get to have a prec and a prec with your with your business partner. Mm -hmm. And you go away on vacation, and that person's going to slowly buy you out as you slowly retire. Well, mm -hmm. that person knows that they're going to be getting they're going to be ramping up their business fairly quickly. So it's probably in their best interest. Yes, in the first three to five years, probably it's going to be low volume, but in in the long run, it's going to be well worth having it all set up and ready to go and they don't even have to worry about so it. So if my sons want to get into it, say 10 years from now, right? and I'm ready to kind of ease out of it slowly while I'm helping them getting their feet running, that'd be yeah. something that we, uh, if it's still around, obviously I don't think they can get rid of prep once they, they no, pass. They won't. No, they will No, no. Here's some other considerations. So. You also have, I believe, as an opco or operating company, entitlements to tax-free sales under your your tax-free dividend account so if you were to sell some of your shares to another licensee i believe you could have a decreased um tax rate on the sale of those shares as well yeah that's that's correct so the capital dividend account and also on top of that because you have an operating company you also are entitled to the lifetime capital gains exemption. So let's just say, let's just use uh, Jeff's example, okay? So Jeff's example, he has two sons, Ryder and Colby. Uh, Ryder wants to go into real estate. Colby's like, ah, I wanna pave my own way. I don't want anything to do with this. Mm -hmm. But uh, because of great, because of a phenomenal financial planner, hi, <laughs> Brandon Curry, um, it set, it set uh, Jeff up with a personal pension plan off of a hold co or off of most likely off the hold co. He can now re retire off into retirement. And Ryder, with all that cash sitting in the prec still, maybe he just didn't piece everything off, comes to terms with a purchase agreement 
for his dad and he buys the existing prec off of his father for a, let's just say a million dollars in today's dollars. Well, because Jeff owns the shares personally, he, and it is a qualified small business corporation, he can get up to the first million dollars of, of sale tax-free. He can, in, in is, it, is it up to a million? Is it up to it, a million? Well, so uh, farmery and fisheries is a million that's frozen until the regular lifetime capital gains exemption, which is indexed to CPI, gets to a million. And I think it's at like 875,000, 880,000 uh, in and around there. And I can do that once in my life, right? We well, talked about that. Up to. Up to. So you can do, you can do different chunks. Like you can own a, a company elsewhere and do 200,000 and then you're left with 800. But that 800 is always indexed to CPI. Okay. So you, you, it, it allows you to free up cash flow out of your court, but Ryder won't care because Ryder will know that, Hey, there's, yeah, the business and the brand is really good. Uh, my dad did a really great job. So that's worth goodwill of some sort. Then there's uh, existing sales and existing clientele. He'd be buying that book of business. So that has some money to it. And then he, you probably, let's say, have three or $400,000 of just cash sitting in the corporation. So he's sitting there going, well, I, I, I can justify buying it for a million bucks. And Jeff gets a million dollars out of his corporation tax-free. I remember this, this, uh, this uh, teach out we went to at uh, the St. Catharines Golf Club, I think. I went talking about that if you're, if you're selling it to your children, make sure yeah. you get market value and all that. I remember that. So it's, uh, yeah, anyway, that's uh, pretty I, much. I remember talking to you just the other day, Brendan. I think you said something interesting that if I have an opco for my build company yep. and then I, I do a prec, I can use my opco for my build company because it's still my opco. Hold or code. no, my hold code, my hold code. Yes. And I don't need to get a new hold code for my no. prec. I can use the same hold code. Correct. For both my building company and my. Yes. So I don't know if you're a holding company can own shares in your yes, prec. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. As you long can have... as the equity and controlling shareholder is a is licensed realtor, which in Jeff's case, it's not the way that we structured the hold co off the opco of the building company. Now, does that so, affect me the deals on my hold code too? No. So. It just, you know, so as long as you own a, a minimum of 10% of a holding company and you own 10% of an operating company, you actually don't have to have the hold co own the shares of the opco. You could do dividend transfers on a tax deferred basis to the hold co. So right. that would still classify because under the TRESA legislation, um, your, your, um, Jill is not actually a shareholder of the PREC. Okay. Right? So, so she's, that's a, she's, still, a she's a she's a she's a but she's an equal shareholder on the hold co. So that's okay. totally fine. And the hold co doesn't own the operating company. Okay. So really what you're telling me is this is confusing stuff and talk to pros like you and, and Josh and uh, <laughs> make sure like, you're doing right, right? Like but I it's got, definitely advantageous to the realtors because of limiting our liability you know, reducing our, our, our tax burden, you know, well, and really we can save a little bit more and, and invest it properly. But let's, right? let's be honest. I have to address the fact of limiting your liability unless I don't think it'll have the effect of limiting liability because the, the licensee isn't the corporation itself. It's, it's the realtor behind the corporation. Correct. So I, I wouldn't count on it so much. So for a limitation of liability, 
make sure you have your errors and omissions still attached 100%. to you. Well, we'd have uh, to, we have to have that no matter what. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't normally, I'd always say, always say incorporate from a liability perspective, but when you're dealing with a professional and a licensee, it, I mean, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to try to, to, to kind of. So would you say, in. would you say the practice like 75% tax savings or strategies is the benefit of it for realtors? 90%. 90, 90, 90, 98. Yeah. 98. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So if you don't fit within that ambit where you're, you're storing away, um, you know, Money. nuts for, you know, for, for, uh, the future, then might not make the most amount of sense unless you think that you can get there in a relatively short period of time. And you're just kind of laying the track beforehand for somebody like you, Jeff, who has been in it for a while and, and has, uh, I presumably a measure of, uh, earnings that you can, uh, defer, we'll say defer taxation on, um, then it, it definitely makes a sense from a tax perspective. You know, there are some other things that you're going to have to file taxes for that corporation every year. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it's not all roses and, 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 uh, and sunshine. There are other drawbacks. Well, it's increased cost definitely that's for, right. for rent of rec, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, That's it's right. interesting though because it is big news for realtors, and uh, it definitely helps the top five percent of realtors. I think yep, save yep. more money. Another so. thing, and I don't know if Brandon touched on it, and I missed it, but like your life insurance policies, your universals, your whole lives. Like when I, the only reason that I bought a, a universal policy, to be honest with you, I think it's a good product, but is because I bought it through corporate dollars. Yes. You bought it with tax savings, more or less. We can, well, we can go, we, yeah. we can, I'll go down that. We, that should be another, okay. that should be another uh, episode. Sure. We can run this one up yeah. and we can uh, yeah. knock the other one up. Okay. I think we have Michael right. Waite anyways, right? So, yeah. Yep. Cool. cool. All right. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. If you have any questions, please drop them and uh, let us know, let us know if we can uh, be any more assistance. And talk to a pro. You want to do it right. You want to do it right. Help right, us help everyone. you. Go ahead, Josh. No, you, you tie it up nicely there for me first, Brandon. All right. Well, thanks very much, everyone. And over to Josh for rounding it up, please. Help us help you stay informed. Ciao. Thanks, everybody. Out. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. 
Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. 